It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. What are the impacts of the proposed roster cuts in the minor leagues? Which prospects in the Reds minor league system should you be keeping an eye on? We're going to talk about all that and a lot more with our continued conversation with Doug Gray on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, alongside Steve Offenbaker. We are the Reds fans who are addicted to the Cincinnati Reds. We turn that addiction into information for you after years of podcasting about the Cincinnati Reds. We roll through this wonderful lockout three episodes a week for you that uh, we hope soon will be over. Today, we are talking, we are concluding our conversation with Doug Gray as we look at the proposed contraction, really further contraction of the minor leagues from Major League Baseball and the effect that that's going to have really on the future of the game and and different prospects that you, you may never have seen if this sort of plan goes through. We are also going to talk about some prospects that you are not currently looking toward who you will be talking about at the end of the season. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. All right, we've got a lot to get to, so we are going to jump right back into Steve and I's conversation with Doug Gray. And it follows up with what you said, too, about how hard it is to scout and figure out these guys and develop them and make sure that everything goes according to plan. So why not have more darts to throw at the board? But basically, Major League Baseball is telling them, no, you can only have so many darts, and that's it. That's all you get. Yeah, and then let's, let's let's talk about this for a second. Let's say they do get their way and they can cut 30 players. That's real. I mean, they, those players are going to be guys that are at the lower levels. They're not going to be cutting guys that are in double A or triple A because they know that they truly know the value of those guys, even if they're just cup of coffee call-ups. Those guys are so much more talented in the current day form than guys that are in the lower levels. So they're not going to cut those guys. It's going to be the guys the thing that I, you know, thought about was, you know, it's going to be basically be they'll cut the low A team. So they only have A, double A, and triple A. You know, that's 25 to 30 players on a roster. You know, that's 20, that's 2,000, or I'm sorry, <laughs> that's 
that is, you know, two hundred fifty to $300,000 in player salary a year that they're saving. Uh, they're probably saving another $200,000 on paying the coaching staff, the training staff, and then the little, you know, ancillary things that they pay for, you know, between the food on the road, the food at the home ballpark, which not everybody does. I know the, the Reds do provide catered meals um, at the ballparks for their players. So that's, I mean, that's not free. And then they pay for parts of the hotel rooms on the road. Some of that is covered by, let's say, the Dayton Dragons, for example. They, they cover some of that, but the Reds also cover some of that. Uh, how it's broken down, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, I think that the minor league team actually does cover more of that than the major league team. But let, let's just say it, it saves them $600,000 a year. Well, for the Reds, I mean, their revenue is about $300 million a year. We're talking about half of a percent that they're – basically saying, hey, we want to save that money versus, hey, uh, the, the one example I continuously brought up when they were trying to cut all the teams in minor league baseball a couple years ago was Jose Altuve. In, in that situation, he's not getting signed. Like, he got $10,000, and he came back to a tryout the second day after they told him not to come back. If they didn't have roster spots available to a player like Jose Altuve, he wasn't going to get signed. He's no like you don't have that guy anymore. And if it, you just get that guy once every twenty years for your organization, it's absolutely worth every penny that you would have saved, right. and then and then some. And you're probably not going to get a Jose Altuve situation like that. That's a very rare situation. But again, if you just get a guy who's a bench player, a reliever, you know, even a below average everyday starting player. Like that's worth tens of millions of dollars in savings versus what you'd have to pay to replace that guy on the open market. It it just doesn't make sense. It's penny wise and pound foolish, and it's just incredible to see. It really is. So in terms of Reds, this really is more of an effect on the Tortugas than like say the DSL Reds. Yeah, because this this is only for the domestic teams. Okay. So anybody that's in the United States, the DSL, mm. um, as far as we have seen in the leaks. Uh, they, they will not be affected by that. Uh, now, the Reds specifically wouldn't because they only have one team in the Dominican Summer League, whereas some organizations do have two teams in the Dominican Summer League. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But as far as we've seen so far, no, there has been no, uh, you know, proposals that would include, you know, limiting things uh, in, in the Dominican Summer League. You know what? Before we move on from that, Doug, I'm just curious. Uh, Major League Baseball now for the maybe third year in a row. I've lost track at this point because it's just been such a mess, but have made significant changes to the way they are handling minor leagues. You know, they changed the way they've done the draft. They've changed the, the way that the draft picks get paid uh, more and more. And, and your Altuve example is great because one of the examples I always go back to is Mike Piazza. And, and the way that that story played out, Lasorda drafts him at the end of a draft as a favor to his father, and the guy becomes a Hall of Famer. So, you know, your point is not lost on me that, that we miss out on those guys. You know, so what's the middle ground? We keep talking about the players and the owners need to come to the table and compromise. What is a middle ground here in knowing what we know about what ownership is trying to accomplish with this minor league system, but also knowing what we would lose and what we need to have available as far as player representation in the minor league. What is that middle ground that could be a potential compromise? Here's part of the problem from a legal standpoint, the major league baseball players association can't really do too much to fight for the minor leaguers. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's a legal workaround kind of situation. Now 
from what I understand, the players association could be like, Hey, we want the minor league players to be paid. Let's say $25,000 a year. But if the owners just say no, they can't bring it up again. Like they're not allowed to both sides have to be on board to negotiating for people that aren't represented. And as, as we can clearly see, that's not going to happen. Um, the, the owners are trying to get away with paying as little as humanly possible. Uh, and they're trying to cut jobs. Now, I, I made a joke the other day that, um, you know, the, the owners are basically trying to do this because they didn't realize how expensive rent was. Uh, because <laughs> starting this year, Major League Baseball is covering rent or lodging or housing for about 90 to 95% of minor league baseball players, which is great. That, that's been a huge issue for players in the past uh, because who, I mean, do you ever live somewhere? Anybody? Anybody have a house? No? No? Okay. Well, let me, let me explain this to you. Um, if you're renting, you're not going to be able to find anything for cheap on a month-to-month basis. Like, that doesn't exist because the people that own those properties, they want guaranteed income. Well, you sign contracts for a year or two years or in some places even longer than that. Um, and so they've got the stability of that. But if you're a minor league baseball player, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to live here for a couple of years. You might live there for three weeks and then your job decides, hey, guess what? You're moving across the country because you got promoted, but you still have to pay that rent. Somebody's name is on that lease, and that's been a really big problem for a lot of players, and Major League Baseball has finally stepped in, and they're going to take care of that. Now, there are some issues that are still unknown in how they're going to work out. Um, let's take, for example, a player that has a family. Well, as the rules are written, Major League Baseball can put two players in one bedroom. Now, they have to have separate beds, of course, but... How does that work if you've got a wife and two kids? Do you still have to room with, you know, hey, your shortstop, for example? Like, that that's a weird situation. Like, how do guys like that get taken care of? Don't know. And I really haven't seen an answer from that from anybody yet. Um, and so that that's one of those weird situations. I don't, I don't want to paint the owners as the worst human beings possible because at least they're doing something here. And they did raise the salary for players now it's still not nearly enough as it should be um but you know they have made some improvements over the last couple of years but it's come on the backs of them cutting 2000 plus jobs too uh and so the increased money issue is really taken care of for the most part by just eliminating those jobs and again as i said earlier it's not that much money compared to the revenue of even a small market team like cincinnati it's really not um, so, you know, the players can ask, but they're not going to get very far because they legally can't force those things into the conversation if the other side does not want to discuss them. We will get right back to our conversation with Doug Gray. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Now it's February and we've all been rolling along doing pretty good with our diets and our new year's resolutions, I hope. And for me, Built Bar has played a big part in uh, keeping me on track. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It may be even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolutions. It makes it easy for you to stick to your diet because it tastes so good, you will want to eat it. It is unlike any of the other protein bars out there. Those can taste chalky or waxy, or basically they could taste like a chemical spill. Not Built Bar. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. They make you want to eat healthy, and it's just one of those things where they make it fun 
to stay on your diet. You almost feel like you're cheating on your diet. Covered in 100% real chocolate, but only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, but packed with 17 grams of protein. They have some amazing flavors out there like Cherries Barcia, that's my personal favorite. I've told you guys many times, that's what lives in my locker at work, helps me get through those long night shifts. They've got lots of other great flavors, things like coconut brownie chunk, salted caramel, as well as many, many seasonal flavors and some very uh, varying products like the puffs that are almost like uh, Three Musketeers. Uh, you're not gonna be able to get enough of those. So head over to built.com right now and when you place your order, use the promo code LOCKED15. That promo code is going to give you 15% off your order at built.com for all of these amazing protein bars that help you achieve your fitness and health goals. That's built.com using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Well, this is an issue that's going to be ongoing, and Doug will definitely have that all covered at RedsMinorLeagues.com. We'll keep you covered here, too, on the Locked On Reds podcast. But want to kind of move into something a little bit more positive and, and more Reds-centric as well as we look at this next year. Because this past year, we've had a couple of different guys that just sort of blew through the minor league rankings when it comes to, they kind of came out of nowhere. You had Graham Ashcraft on the pitching side, and you had Ellie De La Cruz on the position side of the rankings. Like, both of those guys, I I think Graham Ashcraft, to an extent, was like, oh, hey, people kind of like what he's got. They just were a little bit questionable about what was going to be his ceiling. And then Ellie De La Cruz came out of nowhere. So, when you look at 2022, and we've got the unexpected ahead of us, what do you expect from the unexpected? Who is going to be the next meteoric prospect to rise through the rankings? Was there even a question in there? Yeah, I was going to be the next meteoric prospect to rise through the rankings. Oh, okay. At the very end there, there was a question, yes. And I, you know, If you're asking me who's going to do what Ellie Dale Cruz did this year, I, I mean, I'm not going to say anybody's name. What he did was I mean, he went from a guy who was not rated in the top 30 of the Reds prospects to right. being, you know, one of the top 75 to 100 prospects in all baseball. Like, that that doesn't happen very often. Like, what he did was just different. And I do think that part of that also could be because we didn't have a 2020 season. And so, you know, those gains that he theoretically made between his debut in 2019, where he was solid but nothing spectacular on the stat sheet, we didn't get to see that progress that he made the next year. We had to wait two years for it. Uh, we're not going to be doing that with most guys unless somebody missed all of 2021 with an injury, for example. And there were a few guys that did that, but um, you know, I, I can't see the future. I, I, I don't know what those guys are looking like, especially somebody that would come out of nowhere like that um, who I haven't seen before. Now, if you look at the DSL Reds, there were some very good performers on that team. Um, the guy that I think has the best chance of really making a name for himself this year now he's not in my opinion and in the opinions of the people i talked to the best prospect coming out of the dsl uh from last year's team but he's he is he is a good prospect he's got some tools um but i think that he's the most ready right now based on his current game is carlos jorge um he's a middle infielder he's shortstop second base um he had 346 last year uh he had 27 steals he's very fast he can hit the ball to all parts of the field you know, he had eight doubles, 10 triples, three home runs last year in 47 games as a 17-year-old. He walked nearly as often as he struck out. He is, you know, praised for his approach to the game. I think that he's just more ready than the other guys that may have slightly better tools or, in, in Melvin Valdez's case, 
much better tools, but not nearly as good performance on the field. Uh, that Melvin Valdez is much more raw. Um, but don't be shocked if he has a big breakout either, because everybody says the tools are incredible. He just needs to ground out some of the, the finer aspects of his game. Um, I, I just think that Carlos Jorge has enough of both that upside and current ability that he could put up some really big numbers this year uh, in the Arizona Complex League when that does start. Um, now I, I don't know if it starts in June or July this year. Um, and so we'll have to kind of wait and see when that is. But it's going to be sometime in the midsummer. He's probably not going to be playing, uh, you know, when games start in April in Daytona. Like that, that's probably not going to happen. I don't want to say it's completely unfathomable, but they usually don't make that kind of aggressive jump with guys. Doug, looking a little bit higher up the system, uh, last year we saw a couple players really turn a corner and almost demand that some attention be paid to them. Uh, guys like Aleo Lopez on the hitting side, guys like uh, Darius Moretta on the pitching side that really just seem to click. And maybe that has something to do with, like you alluded to, uh, we just didn't see them all for a year and there was development in there that you know we didn't see take place. But are there guys on either the AA or AAA roster that you look at through those same glasses thinking, you know, this could be the year that they turn a corner and really almost demand that people start paying attention to them. I think that there was one guy that, I mean, I, you know, Graham Ashcraft, like I, when it comes to the pitching prospects in the organization, you know, he kind of gets left behind a little bit behind, you know, Lodolo and Hunter Green. But I, I think that he's a definitely a guy, but he, he's more well-known. Um, you know, people at least have heard of his name probably. Um, I think that the guy that most people probably aren't talking about um and he was added to the 40-man roster back in November, so it's not like he's out of nowhere. The Reds know what's going on. Um, but Alexis Diaz, um, I, he's a reliever. He's only a reliever, but you know he throws hard. He's got a very good breaking ball. Control is solid. He misses bats. I, I really do think that he's a guy who could really break out and, and, and force the issue by midseason, maybe earlier. With, with relievers, you never know because you know sometimes it's, hey uh, – we've got four injuries all at once. And so, you know, a guy will show up in April when you weren't expecting that. You, you, you don't really know how that's going to play out, although especially with this year, you don't know how it's going to play out because we don't know when the season's going to start. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he's got the combination of stuff and control, and he, he's close enough. Now, you know, he, had, he, he spent all of last year in double-A and put up good numbers um, that, that he could be the guy that kind of really comes out of nowhere, so to speak. Um that, that would be the guy that I would look at. Um, I'm, I'm not sure there's any position guys that are kind of in that that same area. But, you know, would have said the same thing about Alejo Lopez before the year last year. He would not have been on my radar for a guy who's going to go out and just, you know, <laughs> pick up nine hits a game for 17 straight weeks. So, uh, I mean, you, you don't really know. But that, that's the guy that I would keep my eye on. Coming up, we conclude our conversation with Doug Gray from RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com as we continue to look for prospects that you are not currently aware of that are going to be on the forefront of your mind come the end of this season. Before we get to that, though, I got to tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline is the number one spot for your sports news and scores as well as props, odds, and lines all season long. Football is over. Yes, it sucks. Bengals fans, we were so close. So close. But there's still plenty of basketball to go on when you're talking about the NBA, NCAA basketball. We're getting close to like conference championship season and March Madness. Get ready for it at all at Bet Online. 
NetBoxingNetwork.net. Plus, there's the NHL, boxing, UFC, all kinds of great stuff. You can find that information right there at Bet Online. They've also got great promotions that you're not going to want to miss throughout basketball season, hockey season, and all of the great stuff that you're going to see from boxing and UFC. That's all at BetOnline.net. Head on over there today and check out everything they've got to offer for you. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, now let's conclude our conversation with Doug Gray. There's one guy that I've kind of got my eye on, and I, Doug, I appreciate your time. You've been very kind with it today. Uh, one guy that I've looked at, and Keith Law had him super low, and, and I think people have either forgotten about him or are starting to use the bust tag. What is keeping Austin Hendrick from being a bust? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I hate the word bust. I don't think, especially in baseball, I don't think that it's fair because, again, as we said earlier on, you know, it's very difficult to go from the draft to major leagues. Um, it, it's even more difficult for a high school player because that it generally takes several more years because they're drafted when they're 17 or 18 years old. Uh, it, it just takes time and repetition. Um, but Austin Hendrick, he had a really tough year last year. He dealt with some injuries, but even when he was healthy, he struck out a lot. Um, I mean, I, I think that he had a 44% strikeout rate last year. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. He's got to make more contact. If he does not make significantly more contact, he's not going to make the big leagues. Um, now, he's apparently been working very hard in the offseason. He's, he's slimmed down. He, he's worked on some things with his approach to the game at the plate. Um, you know, he he's going to have to put in the work and he's going to have to make dramatic improvements though. Um, you know, it was a weird situation, not just for him, but for a lot of guys um, in that, you know, drafted or signed in 2020 and didn't get to play. You know, he basically played two or three games, his senior season in high school until he stepped onto a professional field in May of 2021. So he went basically two full years where he hadn't faced a pitcher I mean, that, that's a lot to ask of a lot of guys. Um, now, some guys it, some guys were able to do it, and they had much more success than him. So I, I don't want to put all of the blame on that. Um, now, what some of you may or may not know is he played for Daytona. Last year, in the league that Daytona plays, they had the automated balls and strike system in place. Sort of. Every ballpark in the league had that except for Daytona. Because Daytona is the only team in the league that did not have it's not a, it's not a spring training stadium, so they only had the TrackMan set up. Every other place had the Hawkeye system set up, which is what is currently used in Major League Baseball. That's what they wanted to test out. So in the home games for Daytona and Austin Hendrick, they had guys or girls or women, I'm sorry, calling the strike zone behind the plate. When they went on the road, they had the automated strike zone, where the strike zone is it's shaped very differently than what is the general called strike zone and so both pitchers and hitters for daytona were dealing with three different strike zones because at the midpoint of the season they actually changed up the size and shape of the strike zone for the automated balls and strike system so they had three different strike zones to deal deal with during the regular season last year um i don't know about you guys but i feel that that could be a little bit of a problem um and maybe you could give some guys a little bit of leeway in their walks and strikeout rates uh who played for the daytona tortugas last year because I mean, it's if something's a strike all one week and it's not a strike all the next week, that's going to mess with your head a little bit. Like, what is a ball and a strike? Right. So, I, you know, I, I there there are a lot of 
reasons to say give Austin Hendricks some time. I think I laid him out pretty well. But uh, to be perfectly fair, he performed a lot worse than pretty much every every one of his teammates too. Um, he's gonna ha- he's just gonna have to make a lot more contact. But I do think that we should wait and see and give him a little bit more opportunity to see what happens too, because he dealt with a lot of weird circumstances that realistically, looking back at the history of baseball, who else has dealt with something like that? If you didn't play in 2021 in Daytona, you probably haven't dealt with all of those scenarios. So um, I, I'm very willing to give him a little bit more time to see what happens. It's the equivalent of playing an entire week with Angel Hernandez and then going back to a real umpire. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Doug, I know we're, we're fast running out of time, but there was one thing I wanted to, to touch on with you while we had you here. Uh, with the with the lockout underway and you know that affecting the 40 man roster players but not affecting the non 40 man roster players what does what does goodyear look like right now what is happening with quote unquote spring training because my understanding is there's players there there's things underway there's work being done on the backfields what what is happening in goodyear as far as the reds minor league systems right now and moving through the next few weeks hey let's let's talk about the backfields real quick you know, since the major league guys aren't there, the minor league players that are there, they get to play on like the big league backfields right now. So, hey, good for them. Um, but I mean, realistically, what's going on is that it's just like an early minor league camp. Uh, there's some pitchers and catchers there right now, and they're just kind of getting back into things, getting their arms ready for you know for the regular season. Uh, there's going to be some position guys that show up. I think I think it's in about a week. Um, to kind of join them for early camp and then everybody shows up in, in early March. Um, but I mean, it, it just looks like your typical regular minor league camp right now. Um, they're probably not going to start playing games for another month. Um, it's just, Hey, let's, let's get you in, in quote unquote baseball mode to get them ready to start playing games. Um, you know, lots of, you know, team drills, bullpen side sessions that are, rather short uh, because again everybody's coming off of a long winter break um, they did throw you know to kind of just keep their arm you know in shape and stuff but they're not out there ready to go and throw you know 30 40 50 60 pitches right now either um, it, it's just a way to kind of get a head start for some of these guys who um, either the team wants to you know bring them into the system and show them hey this is how we as a Reds organization do things this is what we expect of you and this is what we're going to do to help you get there and then some guys are there to you know like let's say Nick Lodolo or you know guys that were ready to take that next step last year but they're kind of being counted on is hey maybe you're an option at some point early on this year and you know in particularly in Nick Lodolo's case you missed some time last year too um so they, they kind of want to get a head start on that and you know maybe have some of these guys a little bit more prepared um and you know when it comes to hey we don't know when the season's gonna start that really is a weird situation let's take Hunter Green for example you know mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. let's let's say the regular season doesn't start until mid-May which Hey, if they hit that at this point, if that's when it happens, I think it might be a little bit soon. But let's just say that that happens. You know, well, Nicol Dolo, for example, has been pitching for five, six weeks at that point. Um, to certain guys on the forty-man roster, now I don't think that it would necessarily happen with a guy like Hunter Green, but in other organizations, or maybe even in the Reds organization, if we're talking about maybe a relief pitcher or something, do they get looked over or passed up because let's say the Reds need somebody really quick on opening day or right after opening day? But that other guy's been pitching well for six weeks, and the guy that's on the forty-man roster 
Well, he he's not. He because he wasn't allowed to. Because that like, do we see weird things going on um, around the league uh, in situations like that where a team can look and be like, oh yeah, this guy he's been performing well. Whereas you know, we've got a, let's say we've got an open forty man roster spot now because player X Y Z has to go on the sixty day injured list. So they don't have to cut somebody. They can create an open roster spot. You know, does does that kind of come into play a lot? That's one of the weird things that I don't want to say I'm interested in seeing because I, I I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't ever want anybody to get hurt. But I, I do foresee it being a, a realistic possibility where teams could look at it like that and they know that, hey, this is what we're gonna get out of this guy because they've been able to watch him pitch against at least, you know, former major leaguers and guys at AAA for the last five or six weeks. Whereas, you know, 40-man roster pitcher XYZ has been playing out in Goodyear uh, for spring training for a couple of weeks. I, it's it's a weird situation, guys. I, I, I really don't know what to expect uh, as far as any of that goes, but I'm intrigued in a, a non-fun way about it. Yeah. Well, Doug, we appreciate you coming on to talk some Reds minor leagues and everything that's going on with the weirdness of Major League Baseball, trying to cut some more jobs down there. And what what can people expect from you over at RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com? The stuff at RedLegNation right now is basically, um, is there any breaking news? Because there's no baseball going on. We don't really know what's happening there. So it, it's just kind of, we're playing that one by ear. Over at Reds Minor Leagues, uh, I'm still kind of doing the, the top prospect series where we're looking at, you know, the performance and scouting reports from guys from last year. But as we just mentioned earlier, guys are starting to show up in good year. So we're, we're going to have some stuff from, um, you know, what's going on out there, hopefully soon. Uh, you know, right now, nobody's really doing anything, but that, that should change very quickly. So that that's kind of where we're going to be shifting the focus here. Probably in the next couple of weeks is what's going out and going on out in good year. Who's showing up. Is anybody injured that maybe we didn't know about that, you know, something happened during the off season. Um, you know, hopefully not, but you know, usually happens every year. So uh, we're definitely be transitioning to what's actually happening on the baseball field uh, over at Reds Minor Leagues. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on next week's podcast, so we're going to be following the players and the owners who are now going to be meeting every single day. And we are going to be there for you, keeping you updated on events as they unfold. Uh, Make sure you're following me on Twitter at S Offenbaker. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with one, two, three F's. And of course you can follow the show at locked on reds. We will have all the information for you as it breaks with the ongoing CBA negotiations. Thanks so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Now head over to Locked on Bets and make them your second listen. Q and Lee Sterling give you all of the information you need to make some cash at betonline.ag every single day. That's Locked on Bets, just like Locked on Reds. It's available free on all the platforms where you get your podcasts. It might be the the off season, and of course, we are still locked out. But Jeff, what are we? We are Locked on Reds. Every single day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.